I grew up on a bee farm in Missouri, and like everybody else that uh, raises livestock, we raise a lot of our own feed to stay in business, and we raise corn and soybeans and hay, and uh, we grind this stuff up into a flour, and we'd add vitamins and minerals and trace minerals, you make pellets, and you feed those calves for about six, nine months, and then you ship them off to be butchered or maybe to other feeders. And you always save back the very best ones for yourself, and you knock them in the head and eat them. It's a real simple cycle on the farm. And the thing that fascinated me as a teenager was that we went to a great deal of trouble for those calves, and yet, as a family, we ate out of the very same fields. We'd keep back five rows of corn for ourselves. We had a garden at the end of the field where we grew our peas and beans and squash and tomatoes. And we wanted to live to be 100 with no aches and pains, and we didn't give ourselves the very same vitamins and minerals and trace minerals that we gave the calves. And I always used to ask my dad, I'd say, hey, Pops, how come we go to all that trouble for those calves and, and not for ourselves? And uh, he'd say, shut up, boy. You're getting farm fresh food, fresh air, lots of free exercise. Don't ask complicated questions. And I was glad to get rid of the farm exercise and go to ag school at the University of Missouri. And there my major was in animal husbandry and nutrition. My minor was in field crops and soils. And I began to learn technical things about soil chemistry and how it related to tons and bushels per acre and ag economics. But I didn't get an answer to my basic question until I became a freshman veterinary student at the University of Missouri. And there I learned that the reason why we put all these vitamins and minerals and trace minerals into animal feeds, bottom line, is because we don't have insurance for them. We don't have Blue Cross, Blue Shield, major medical hospitalization, Medicare, Medicaid. And if we were to use a human health care type of system for animals, it'd be sticker shock for you. Your hamburger would cost you $275 a pound. Boneless, skinless chicken breast would be $450 a pound. A dozen eggs would be $50 just to pay for the health care. So we learned that we could keep the price of animal products such as meat and dairy and poultry and eggs down to where the average American could afford them simply by significantly reducing or totally eliminating health care costs. And we do that in animals by preventing and curing diseases with nutrition. Well, after graduating vet school, I went to Africa for a couple of years and got to work with Marlon Perkins from the old Mutual of Omaha Wild Kingdom days. And that was kind of a kick. Got to play Frank Buck, use a tranquilizer gun, tromp all over Central and South Africa for a couple of years. And then uh, Marlon sent me a telegram and invited me back to the States. Uh, he'd gotten a $7.5 million grant to, from the National Institutes of Health. And this was more than 30 years ago. And this was to study pollution and ecology and the environment. And my job as the wildlife veterinarian on the project was to do autopsies of animals that died of natural causes in the big zoos around the United States. And I was supposed to identify or find a species of animals that was ultra-sensitive to pollution. And we're going to use that animal much like the old coal miners used to use canaries. You know how that goes. They take the canary down in the mine, and if methane gas or carbon monoxide were to leak in the mine, the canaries were more sensitive than the men and uh, would drop off the Persian dye and long before the men were in danger of suffocating or blowing up. Well, to make a long story short, after some 12-plus years of working on this project, I had done some 17,500 autopsies and over 454 species of animals, plus 3,000 human beings for a comparison. And what I learned was that every animal and human being who dies of natural causes dies of a nutritional deficiency disease. And I got kind of excited about nutrition again. And I wrote 75 scientific papers on the subject, uh, wrote uh, chapters for eight multi-author textbooks, actually contributed uh, a textbook myself, 1,000 pages, 2,000 illustrations. And uh, through the news releases that were in the big universities I worked with, I was on 2020. It was in 1,700 newspapers around the world through the UPI and AP Newswire services. And with all this public exposure and with all this scientific exposure, I couldn't get people who are in a position of authority, either in medical research or in politics, to get too concerned or interested in preventing and curing diseases in human beings with nutrition, just like we did in animals. 
Well, I got frustrated enough. I went back to school in Portland, Oregon, became a physician, and I practiced there for 12 years as a general family practitioner. And uh, I sewed up chainsaw wounds, delivered babies, um, used everything that I'd learned in veterinary nutrition of my human patients. And it was no surprise to me that it worked just as well in people as it did in animals. 